Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you for a second about a product that I love with all of my heart. It is Athletic Greens. I take this product first thing every single morning. It is the first thing I put into my belly. It is a greens superfood powder that is actually delicious. I mix it with a little bit of water, a little bit of coconut milk, a little bit of ice, um, and I actually add their vitamin D3 to it as well. They make a great vitamin D3 product. Um, this stuff is the bomb. It really takes the thinking out of my daily nutritional wellness when I know everything in this stuff is amazing. It's filled with vitamins and minerals. It's got actually 75 vitamins and minerals. It's got prebiotics. It's got probiotics. It's got everything that you could possibly want and or need uh, to make sure that you are staying on the beam with your health and wellness. Uh, if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash born, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash born, they will send 20 free travel packs with your first order. That is a lot of free product. I highly recommend this product. This is not Mike Chernow BSing you or making a lot of money on an ad here. This is me being totally honest and real. I've been using this stuff for a very long time and you should too. What's going on, podcast listeners? My name is Michael Chernow. I am a restaurateur and lifestyle entrepreneur and I am truly obsessed with living a life better than yesterday through wellness, fitness, and good vibes. I've always wondered if the drive to succeed is something we are born with or if it's something that is made over time through grit, drive, and perseverance. I get to answer that question exactly and the goal of this podcast is to talk with people that have absolutely crushed it in life and have inspired me to do the same. This is Born or Made. Today on the podcast, I've got an awesome guest. His name is Jordan Syatt. He is a five-time world record holder in powerlifting. He is an incredible fitness and nutrition coach to some of the biggest names in the game today. Um, he's a super inspirational dude, super positive. I loved this conversation with him. We got into his story. We talked a lot about what it means to have a talent that you uh, capitalize on. We really got a bunch of great tips and tricks from Jordan um, in the world of fitness, in the world of mentality and, uh, and positivity. Can't wait for you to have a listen. Here we go. Welcome back to the Born or Made podcast. Today, I have a super exciting guest. His name is Jordan Syatt. He is a five-time world record holder in powerlifting. The dude is, how tall are you, Jordan? 5'4", so super, super imposing. 5'4", five, five, 100 and how many pounds? Right now I weigh 150, but I deadlifted uh, my, my record at 132 pounds when I weighed 132. So he is, he is about the same size as me. We're both on the larger side of human beings. <laughs> um, he is a world record holder, which is incredible, five times. Um, he is one of the most re well-respected online uh, nutritional and fitness uh, coaches, he is an animal. Um, he also did a 30-day Big Mac challenge where he ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days straight and lost how many pounds? Seven pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so defying gravity is essentially what Jordan did. Um, I'm super excited to have you on. I, you know, I, I, I follow a lot of people in your industry because I'm so passionate about nutrition and wellness. Um, and I got to say, man, the content that you put out is incredibly consistent. It is so, f it's fun. It's, it's not like just reading a bunch of scientific studies and research. It's really about having a good time, trying to get to people's heart and soul. Um, knowing that that really changing your life for the better through f fitness and nutrition is a challenge. So I just think that you're an awesome dude um, from from what I know. And I can't wait to get to to learn more about you. Um, I appreciate that, a, man. Thank you. Yeah, man, I, I'm really excited. So uh, why don't why don't you take a second to introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, strength coach, nutrition coach, 
uh, I got into fitness because of wrestling. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old. Um, my mom suggested that my brother and I wrestle. My brother, he's, a, he's an older brother, he was getting picked on and my mom was like, all right, I want you guys to wrestle. And when I was eight, the only wrestling that I knew of was WWE style wrestling. And, <laughs> and I remember in my living room, she was like, hey, you guys are gonna wrestle. And I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling. And uh, I was obsessed with it. Like once I started, that's all I thought about, it's all I did. Um, and for, I made varsity as a freshman in high school. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot, but I had to cut from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week, sometimes multiple times a week in order to make weight for competition. And um, as a freshman on varsity, I was mainly going up against juniors and seniors. So I was 14 years old, going up against 17, 18 year old kids. So because I'd already been wrestling for so long, my technique was pretty good, my endurance was good, but my strength was nowhere near, nowhere near where it needed to be for a, a varsity wrestler. Um, so I started looking for internships at gyms near me. I was like, I just wanna learn how to get stronger and lose weight. So I applied to a gym near me and I was like, hey, you know, can I just, just let me take your trash out, clean the floors, I'll do anything, I just wanna learn from you. And the first gym said, no, uh, we don't want a high school kid walking around our gym. So I applied to another gym and it was a blessing because they took me under their wing and they were very science-based, very science-based strength and conditioning, very science-based nutrition. Uh, and I worked there all through high school, 14 years old, all the way through the end of high school. And that's how I really got in the fitness industry is just with under the wing of two incredible coaches, Stacey Shadler and Kevin McCarthy and and that's really where I got my passion for coaching and learning the science behind all of this. You know, I think it's so interesting because people that have, or in my experience, in my, my interactions with people that have really excelled in an in industry, tend to start out somehow, some way in their early teens, like almost professionally, you know? And, and for me, it was very similar. I got my first job in a restaurant when I was 13 years old. Um, and I had no idea what I was really getting into. I just knew that I wanted to be around people. Um, and so, you know, when it comes to, to online coaching, which is obviously in our current state, something that people are really looking at, right? Like, I mean, a lot more people are staying home or most people are staying home really hard to get to a gym. If you can get to a gym at all, um, you know, for building an online presence, which you have done such a phenomenal job at. I mean, if you go to Jordan's website and check out his website, it's just, it's awesome. Like just everything about the site, it's just, it's quick, it's easy, it's fun. And um, how, what kind of advice can you give to someone who's out there trying to develop an online presence? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that I would say. And, and usually what I'm, what I'm about to, what I'm about to say are things that I've learned because of the mistakes that I've made. So one of the things you said was that if you look at my content, it's, it's, it's not like reading studies. It's more, it's fun trying to get to people's like emotional side, their heart and soul, trust, trying to be honest. If you look at my content from, I started making content in July of 2011. So like what, like nine years ago now. Um, if you look at my content, from 2011 to 2015, you will see a very different style of content. Uh, you'll see much more big science-y words. Uh, you'll see a much more uh, quote-unquote professional person. Uh, and that was because that's what I thought I had to do in order to succeed. Uh, and I was writing in a way that I didn't realize at the time, but looking back, I was writing in a, in a way that was based out of insecurity. And I was writing in a way that I was trying to impress other coaches. So what a lot of people don't realize about fitness coaches trying to make a presence online, and I'm sure this is across all industries, um, we're generally concerned about what other coaches think of us. Like, do they think we're smart? Do they think we're stupid? Do they think that we know what we're talking about? So I would write articles and make videos using verbiage and terminology that everyday people wouldn't understand because I was trying to impress the coaches, mm. rather than trying to help the people who needed it. <laughs> and things really started to take off for me once I stopped trying to impress coaches and started trying to help the people who really needed it. 
And what that included was writing things in a way that were fun and that were me using characters and putting on wigs and talking in different voices and and speaking speaking in a way that makes things very simple and easy to understand rather than trying to use big words in a way to impress other people. So I think you know the the general advice would be be yourself, but that's it's pretty hard and that advice doesn't really help anyone. It's like, well, be yourself. It's like, okay, well, myself right now is very nervous and insecure. Okay, so who are you trying to help? And you have to be yourself to the people you are trying to help. Don't worry about what other coaches or other people in your field think of you because they're not going to be your customer anyway. It's like focus on the people who need your help and be yourself to them. I think that that is such an incredible piece of advice, not only for building an online presence, but in general, because I similarly had a, a, a situation when I first launched my first business where I know I'm really good at connecting to other human beings. I know that I have a presence. It, it, my skill set is really, it, it really resides in emotional intelligence, being able to engage with humans. That is like what I do well. Um, but when I started a business, I didn't know shit from Sherlock when it came to a P&L. I went to school, I got a degree in restaurant management, but really when it came down to it, like I didn't know how to fucking manage a P&L or a balance sheet or any of those things. Dude, I'm going to be and honest, insecure- I don't even know what a P&L is. <laughs> you know, well, profit and loss statement, but but at the end of the day, like I, I you know, it's it's so challenging to be able to have the confidence in putting your energy and your power into the shit that you're good at, as opposed to wasting the time on the things that you're not good at, or trying to impress other people, maybe a business partner, maybe other people on your team with, the, with this idea that you're great at everything and you know everything. And I had to learn the hard way. I beat myself up so bad because I wasn't good at these things. I wasn't good at, at logistics and operations necessarily, um, but I knew how to build a brand. I knew how to do, lead a team of people and get people fired up to do things. But I ended up spending more time in the beginning on the shit that I sucked at because I sucked at it. You know what I mean? And I felt like I needed to do it. Um, so look, the, 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 the idea of this podcast is I get people like you on here and uh, we try to talk about or try to figure out uh, the nature nurture question, whether you believe you were born with an innate ability to get to where you're at today, or if you were made over time through grind, grit, and perseverance. The way I like to get there is by getting your story from as early back as you can remember, and then potentially extrapolating a few things to help us come to this answer, though I don't believe there's a right answer here. I just, I think the topic is really interesting um, because you're at the top of your game. And I'd love to know if you believe you were born to do it. You know, I think uh, I'm going to default to the really obnoxious answer, which is I think it's a little bit of both, right? I, <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it depends on so much, right? I, I think that... Before we go there, let's get your story first. Okay. Before you divulge, I think, I think it would be awesome to just sort of, because maybe I can help you as opposed to, to, to you uh, making the d- d- decision right now. All right. I think maybe I can help you figure it out. Hey guys, more with my guests in just a minute. We're gonna take a quick break to get a word from our sponsors. I am a huge coffee fan. Um, I was introduced to Caveman Coffee a long time ago. It is a direct-to-consumer coffee company. They do whole bean coffee, they do cold brew coffee. I am massively in love with the Caveman Coffee Nitro Cold Brew. It's incredibly delicious. And as far as their whole bean coffee, I have been for a long time a big fan of their Mammoth Roast. They've also added something new, which is the Mammoth Plus, which uh, they've added MCT oil to the actual beans. So you're getting like supercharged coffee with your bag of coffee uh, in the mail. They also have this cacao butter 
that is beyond bananas that you can add to your coffee. It's like a superfood and has all sorts of antioxidants and is just it's just delicious. And it makes your coffee fluffy and tasty um, and very, very good sans the sugar. So hop over to cavemancoffee.com and use Born20 in the checkout and you will get 20% off. It's that simple. Cavemancoffee.com. This stuff is the bomb. It's just very, very good. So check them out. So I was always, I was always very blessed with athletic ability, which is very weird for my family. My family is like, we're a, a Jewish family, not really many athletes in there at all. Most of the people are significantly overweight, uh, a lot of health issues, a lot of professors, um, lawyers, doctors. When I said I wanted to be a personal trainer, they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> My, my mom still to this day says, you know, it's not too late to go back to school to this day. Um, so I was really blessed from a very early age with athleticism and also with enjoying healthy food like fruits and vegetables. My mom, I'll never forget this. When I was a kid and we'd, I'd be at birthday parties. I remember at Acton Bolodrome in Boston, Massachusetts, um, we would have birthday parties. That's where all the kids had their birthday parties. And at the birthday party, they'd have cake and they'd have Cheetos and whatever. And I remember being really young, four, five, six years old, and they'd be walking around with plates of cake for all the kids. And for every time they would give me, I'd be like, is that cake? I don't want that. And my mom, every time would be like, you're the only kid I know who would say no to cake. And I would prefer to have watermelon. Like I just liked watermelon better than cake. And my whole family thought it was odd because they weren't health conscious. They didn't focus on, on exercise or athletics or anything. So yeah, I was very lucky from on that front. I'm starting like having a lot of athleticism and uh, and focus on healthy foods. And so, but but just just quickly, so like that that athleticism, uh, did it was it something that you actively pursued because you wanted to be a great athlete, or was it just like you picked up the ball and you knew how to throw it? I think I did it because I was good at it, right? So generally speaking. We like the things we're good at and we hate the things we don't. My brother, not athletic at all, very smart, very good in school. And, uh, you know, when you're siblings, like you try and when your brothers, especially like you'll fight, you'll try and say things to hurt each other's feelings, whatever it is. My brother knew that my soft spot was that I didn't think I was smart. So he would always like, ah, oh, you're a sped, da, 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 and all this. And then I would go back at him with like, yeah, like, you're fat, da, 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 all, like that was like how we fought as kids growing up. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had tutors growing up and I was in special education and blah, blah, blah. And like, for me, I was like, you know what? I was just told that I wasn't smart. I didn't fit into the mold of standard school. So I was like, I'm just going to do sports. I'm going to do ath I'm athletics. I'm like, this is what I'm good at. So, so I just want to talk about that for a second, because I think that pertains to this question, right? It's very interesting how some people are, are just like naturally athletic and others are not. I don't know if there's any science behind that. I really don't. I mean, I would imagine there has to be, right? There has to be some explanation as to hand-eye coordination and self-awareness and like the ability to react, respond faster than potentially others. Do, do you know anything about that? I'm not a master of the research, but there's absolutely 100%. Just like some people are better at math. Like some people are really good at doing math in their head and other people might be better at under remembering dates in history. Some people are very good with hand-eye coordination. Some people are more genetically, it's called congenitally lax if they're very flexible. Uh, some people have like more fast switch muscle fibers, so they're stronger. So this is why we see oftentimes different body types in different sports. If you look at the best sprinters in the world, they often like their bodies look very similar. And it's not because they built that body. I mean, that's part of it, but it's mainly because that body is best for that sport. And then they built on top of it, but genetics play a huge role here. Hand-eye coordination, you can improve it, but some people are just better. You know, some people are just better at it. Some people are, are better at speech and debate. Right? It's just like there's a genetic component to literally everything we do, which is why it's very odd for me and my family because nobody in my entire family that's, that I know of is living or has been living in my entire life was genetically blessed for athletics. They were all studious, like studious, intelligent, 
book smart. None of them were athletic, which was very difficult for me from the perspective of, I mean, my mom would go to a lot of my games, but no one cared about what sports I was doing. They didn't know. They had no background on it. So I was the only one like going to different athletics and sports and my parents weren't involved in like the the parent politics of getting your child to play or going on club teams or pe- there's no way my parents were going to pay for me to have like a, a side coach after like in between seasons or anything like that just they're like why in the hell would we invest in a, in a specialized coach for you to get better at this youth sports league it's like no go to a tutor spend your time here is just like that was not even in their realm of knowledge or, or reality um mm. So yes, there's 100% genetic component involved in that. And that's why I think it's so odd that I have that coming from the family that I come from. I.e. you're born. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> you're, that's, and I think generally we see this in everything. For, we could use this within fitness, right? Generally speaking, who is more likely to do yoga, men or women? Women. Generally speaking, who is more likely to go into the weight room and lift heavier weights, men or women? Men. Genetically, generally speaking. Women are more congenitally lax. They're more flexible. They're more mobile than men are. Generally speaking, men are more strong. They have more testosterone. They have more muscle mass. So they're generally stronger. We do go to the things that we like. You watch a man, generally speaking, go into a yoga class. They are stiff. Not all of them, but they're, they have a lot of trouble with mobility, a lot of trouble with flexibility. They're in this class in which they suck at what they're trying to do and they don't like it. So why not go to the weight room and lift two or three times as much weight as the other people in that yoga class. Same thing with women when they go in the weight room. There's a lot of societal factors and other things at play here, but generally speaking, they go in, they're lifting not nearly as much as a lot of the big meatheads in the gym, so they feel insecure, they feel bad about it. So, all right, I'm gonna go back to where I feel comfortable in in the yoga room where I'm really good and I can excel. So what you're born with definitely plays a huge impact in regards to what you pursue. How far you pursue it, that changes based on who you are and I think how you're brought up and your mentality. But what you pursue, I think, is often based in how good are you at it from the beginning. And I think it takes a special individual to say, if you suck at something from the beginning, to keep trying it, even if you suck, and especially if you suck, because you you might know like, hey, I suck at it now, but I'm going to put in two, three, four, five years of work and I could be good on the other end. But that's very few people. Yeah. I mean, when when I first started doing this podcast, um, my perspective has changed a bunch. But when I first started doing the podcast, I felt a little, um, I felt like it was, it was a little, it lacked some inspiration only because if the person that I was speaking said that they were born, it, it, it kind of puts the, 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 the messaging out there that if you're not born with this, well, you're kind of shit out of luck and you're not going to be able to do it. However, as time has gone on, um, and I've met a bunch of people and been able to interview a bunch of people, what I've learned is everybody is born with something. Everyone is born with something. And the journey in life is trying to figure out what that is as fast as possible. So then you can ultimately triple down on it. You know, I can't, I, I, There are people that have said to me, like, no, I'm completely 100% made. Like, I sucked at this. And I think that that's hard. That is definitely an uphill battle. Um, But it sounds like you were born uh, with athleticism. And so you went went for it. Yeah. I mean, I I was very lucky to be born with athleticism. And I was also very lucky to really enjoy it. Like, I loved it. But I think it makes sense. Like, you like what you're good at. Now, I was also really lucky that... I come from a family of entrepreneurs and I come from a family of people who are like very supportive of me trying to, like when I said I was going to go try and find an internship, they weren't like, no, 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 you can't do that. They were like all for that. They loved that. And then I didn't get the first one and I was super upset about it. I I didn't get that first internship. They said, no, we don't want a high school kid walking around. And I remember like walking in my house and my mom was like, did you get it? And I was like, no. And she was like, so what's next? And I was like, what do you mean what's next? She was like, are you going to apply to another one or are you just going to sulk around? I was like, I didn't even think about that. So I applied to another one and then I got that job. And uh, I think that mindset, for example, of like, well, what's next? That like, that is something Mm -hmm. that was taught to me. That's something where like that I learned that and I was able to practice that as opposed to being born with that. I think a lot of people, they have that first point of friction. They have that first obstacle 
And maybe they don't have the right person in their life to say, keep trying, go again. But if you do, then maybe you learn it at an early age. Oh, just because I failed here doesn't mean I have to stop here. More with my guest in just a minute. I love Whoop, one of the coolest pieces of technology on the market today. It is a fitness tracker. I've been wearing a Whoop for probably about a year and a half. The beauty of this product is that it actually tells you more about recovery than about training. Uh, since I've been listening to my Whoop, I have become a much better, much more optimal athlete and I listen to what it tells me. If it tells me to take the day off, I do. And what happens? The next day I train much, much harder and I tend to get bigger gains when I listen to the Whoop app. Uh, it tracks something called heart rate variability, which is actually the amount of time in between your heartbeats. The more variability between the heartbeats, the more recovered you are. As long as you literally wear the wrist fitness tracker, listen to the app when it tells you when to recover, uh, how to recover, when to train, and how to train, you will be a better athlete, period. You should hop over to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and put in promo code CHERNOW, C-H-E-R-N-O-W, and you will get your first month free. It is well worth it. Highly recommend it. So... Six years old, you're eating watermelon. You love the healthy stuff. You, you, you're, you and your brother at a young age are sort of beating, you know, are, are riffing on each other. Uh, you breaking his balls about being overweight and, and, and not athletic, and he's busting your chops about being in special ed. Um, what, what happens next? Next, uh, I go all in on sports. So I, I played soccer, I did wrestling, I did baseball. Um, I like that's really where I spent all my time was just sports, 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 sports. And I loved wrestling because I'm a short guy. I go to school, you know, kids make fun of you for being short, you know, all this other stuff. But when they tried to pick on me and I slammed them down on the soccer field, like now people didn't pick on me anymore. And I was like, oh, this is my thing. It's like, this is the one area where I feel super confident, super proud of myself. It's the most rewarding and I'm the best at it. And it also gives me an opportunity to stand up for myself um, and stand up for my brother. Cause as we got older, you know, he didn't pursue athletics. He got picked on a lot and the better I got in wrestling, the less people picked on him too. Cause they didn't want to have any issues, which was like, it felt really good for me. Like no one in my family was strong. No one was athletic. No, like no one could stand up for themselves. So for me, it, it felt like a, a really good responsibility to have on my shoulders to look after my brother and look after my family. And that's sort of how I took that on. And it's one of the reasons why I'm one of the biggest proponents of learning self-defense, learning, learning wrestling, learning jujitsu, because I think people, the better, the more confident you get in your ability to defend yourself and your family, the more you can be yourself without fear and insecurity. So you're, you're, you're wrestling and you're wrestling at a high level throughout high school. And then what? So after high school, uh, I took a year off and I moved to Israel. Uh, I, I didn't want to go to college yet. Uh, I, I'm also Jewish and I, I had been to Israel once when I was 16, went on like a 10 day trip, fell in love with it. I was like, I want to go back. Um, my family didn't have a lot of money and there was this program that allowed, it was called a gap year program where you could go and, and live in Israel and volunteer. And I wanted to do it, but we didn't have enough money. And my rabbi at the time, he literally, he was like, if you want to go to Israel, then we're going to find a way to fund it. And they raised like a, a silent, um, uh, what's it called? Like a fundraiser for people in our synagogue to just fund one of their students to go to Israel for a year. They didn't say my name, but they're like, we're going to send one of our students to Israel for a year to volunteer with Holocaust survivors and to live in Jerusalem, live in Tel Aviv, live in the Negev for a whole year. And they funded my entire year in Israel. Um, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. And um, so I lived in Israel for a year. I almost joined the Israeli Defense Forces. I was like this close. I really wanted to, but my mom said, I will kill you if you join the Israeli Defense Forces. Um, so then after that, I came back to the States. I went to the University of Delaware. Um, and I started off majoring in exercise science because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I was told that if you want to be a strength coach, 
then you major in exercise science. Uh, within a month and a half, I realized that was a huge mistake. Um, I had learned way more in the four years of actually coaching people than what I was going to do in an exercise science degree, which is mostly based on research from mid 1900s that they hadn't really updated. The teachers had never actually coached anybody. So I switched from exercise science to behavioral health psychology. Is that is that just real quick? So that that's I think that's a great tidbit for anybody who's potentially trying to follow your your trajectory. Would you suggest that if somebody wants to be a strength and conditioning coach or a personal trainer, something like that? Yes. Um, and thinks that going to school for exercise science is the right move, they should rethink that. Yes, absolutely. You can you will waste four years studying exercise science, not because it, you won't learn anything, but because the amount that you could learn in a three-month internship at a high-level gym is more than you would learn in a four-year exercise science degree. You will learn more in three months of interning at a gym than you learn in four years of exercise science. Just like if you want to be a physical therapist, yes, go the exercise science route. If you want to be a strength coach, personal trainer, do not go the exercise science route uh, because Everything you need to learn, number one, is online. But number two is get in-person experience coaching people from great coaches. That's where you'll learn the most information. Where you'll learn the best information, you'll get the most experience in the least amount of time. So you, you, you made a switch. And do you think that, that, that the path that you did take is, is something that, that those looking to follow that path should do? Yes, because the best way to learn how to become a better coach is to coach people. That's just the best way. Number one, and any of the science you can learn online in books, all that stuff. You don't, I've always, I very much believe like, unless if you're a doctor or lawyer or some, some degrees, yes, you need to go to school in order to become that profession. For a personal trainer, if you really want to be a personal trainer and you feel like you need to go to school in order to get motivated enough to study the literature, you don't want to be a personal trainer. Like if you really want to do it, then you'll study, you'll get the books, you'll get everything you need to study and learn the science on your own. And then you intern and actually coach people. And that's where you're going to get the best of both worlds. One of the things that you're going to realize from coaching people is that you could have the best workout in the world. You could have the best nutrition plan in the world, but if the person doesn't follow it, it doesn't matter. So for me, it's like one, that was one of the greatest blessings of me starting coaching people at 14 years old is I realized like I could, I could understand program design and periodization and conjugate periodization and undulating and linear. And I can understand all this stuff. I can understand uh, how to structure the best program, how to give the best meal plan. But if they aren't following it, it means literally nothing. And so I really er realized early on that I had to understand why people are making the decisions they're making. Everybody knows that they should work out. Everybody knows they should be eating more fruits and vegetables and lean proteins. They all know this. Why aren't they doing this? In fact, you have people who are literally paying a significant amount of money to train with you every week, multiple times a week, but they're still not doing what they need to do. Why? So I was like, I want to go into behavioral health psychology so I can understand why people are making these decisions so that I can actually help them make the changes they need to make. Why are people making those decisions? Now that, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> Um, there's a lot, there are many reasons, but the main one that I come back to a lot is based around something called self-efficacy. Self-efficacy, it's like self-confidence, but it's a little bit different. The main thing being self-efficacy is your belief in your ability to accomplish a given task. Okay. So we take a lot of people who want to lose weight. A lot of people want to lose weight. Very few people actually believe that they're going to be able to do it. And this is a huge issue for people because most people, maybe they've tried over and over and over again throughout their entire life, and they gain and lost and gain and lost and gain and lost, and they just don't think it's going to be possible. Why would that person be willing to spend six months paying attention to their training and nutrition if they don't believe it's going to work in, in, at all because they've been yo-yo dieting their whole life? Mm -hmm. the, the way I frame it is this. Let's say you had $0 in your bank account, God forbid, $0 in your bank account. And I said, if you can find a way to raise $10,000 in the next 24 hours, and you spend those $10,000 on lottery tickets, you have a 99% chance of winning the mega millions, I guarantee you'd find a way to raise those $10,000 because those $10, the work would be worth it because you know you're basically going to win millions of dollars, just like you know, mm -hmm. and you can pay everyone off and it's not going to be an issue. On the other hand, if I told you, let's say you had a million dollars in your bank account. And if I said, listen, spend 10000 of those dollars on lottery tickets today, 
you have a 5% chance of winning the Mega Millions. Well, you know what? Probably not worth it. Even though the money is there, even though you have it, it's just, it's not worth the risk because you don't know if you're actually going to do it. This is what people struggle with, with health and fitness. It's like they don't actually believe in their ability, whether it's because they don't believe in the program or more likely they don't believe in their own ability to stick to a plan. They don't believe in their ability to do what they think is necessary. And this is where we have a lot of issues with misinformation. You get some people saying you got to go keto. You can't have any carbs. And if you think that that's right, if you think that you are not allowed to have any carbs ever, you get fat then why would you believe in your ability to succeed, especially if you really love carbs and you don't want to give them up? So it's like, you know what? Why bother? Why even bother trying if it means I have to give up everything I enjoy? So you have a lot of people not doing what it is they need to do because they think they can't actually do it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. The question I get asked most, because I take my fitness and nutrition very seriously, is how do you do it? My answer is as simple as it gets. And I get shit for it too when I answer on social media. I just fucking do it. Like that, that's, that's the, there's no, I, I don't know how to, how to like develop an answer that is any different than that, right? It, I'm not unique. I'm not a snowflake. People that are in shape and, 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 and use fitness and nutrition as a sort of, um, core tenant to the success of happiness in their lives are not unique. It's, it's, it's truly, how do you get to your clients? How do you get to, cause it's getting to their mental as opposed to giving them a physical plan or a, or a nutritional plan. What is the trick that you use to get to their mental? So this is a great question. This is what I've found is I've found a very common theme in that a lot of people start, and unfortunately, the vast majority of the people who start also quit, right? This is, this is the yo-yo cycle. They start and they quit, start, quit, start, quit. And I was like, all right, how do we get them not to quit, right? That's, that's really the answer. That's, that's the, the question we have to answer. How do we get them not to quit? Because everybody starts at some point. The core of it, sort of going back to what I was talking about, people don't believe in themselves, is I had to eliminate that belief that they that that disbelief in themselves or that belief that they can't actually succeed. So I made a, a video course for my clients back in 2012. And this is when I first realized this. And the first video in the course, it going back to sort of making people smile, the response that I got to this every single time for thousands and thousands of clients was people just saying like, when I watch this video, I couldn't help feel like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And that's what I wanted. Basically, the first video in this course was titled, You Can't Fuck This Up. And the whole purpose of that is because when people, they start a diet or they start a workout program, maybe they eat more calories than they should have one day or one weekend or they go on vacation or they miss a workout or two, immediately, oh, I fucked up. I fucked it up. And what do they do? Do they get back on track? Or do they use that saying, I fucked up as a justification to keep fucking up? That's what most people do. Most people, once they think they fucked up, they think they ruined everything. And they think, well, you know what? I fucked it up. And this is where that, well, I'll just get back on track on Monday or I'll get back on track next week or next month. And oftentimes it keeps delaying, keeps delaying, keeps delaying. So from the very beginning, my first video in the course, before I gave them their nutrition guidelines, before I gave them their workout program, I was like, you need to understand this very clearly. You cannot fuck this up as long as you get back on track. The only way to fuck up is if you quit altogether. And this is a huge revelation for a lot of people because most people, they have one donut and oh, I fucked up. This is the whole reason why I did the Big Mac challenge. I was like, I eat one Big Mac every day for 30 days. It'd be very easy for me after I have one McDonald's meal. To, ah, well, I fucked it up. It's like, no, you get back on track you're going to be totally fine. And when people really internalize this, now they don't have a reason to quit. And now being consistent becomes relatively easy. Most people think they need to be perfect. And as soon as they're not perfect, then they feel like they fucked up and they quit. But when you make consistency relatively easy, not perfection, just consistency, now success becomes inevitable. Dude, I wanted to hear that so bad because <laughs> I, I fucking love it. I love that idea. I think, I think, really disarming the, um, 
the future fuck ups or the future, you know, derailments is a great way uh, to get people to feel a, a level of confidence in anything. Um, so how did you, so, so you finished college and then how do you get to where you're at now? So in college, I started my business without knowing it was a business at first. So, um, I started powerlifting at the end of high school once I stopped wrestling. Um, and I was obsessed with power, you know, West Side Barbell. Oh yeah. So I was obsessed with West Side and Louie and I hated college. I hated every minute of it. I had just spent a year in Israel volunteering with Holocaust survivors and living my own life. And I go back to school and now I have homework assignments and I'm surrounded by kids who just want to go to highlighter parties at frat parties and whatever. And I was just like, I'm done with this. So I started really hyper-focusing on my strength training, my nutrition, my powerlifting. And I wrote Louis Simmons an email from Westside Barbell. And I was like, Louis, I use the same line that I used for my internship in high school. Let me come take the trash out. Let me clean the floors. I'll do anything. Just let me come and train with you. And Louis responded to that email and he said, verbatim, I still have the email. Our weakest guy squats 800 pounds. What do you have to offer? And I remember, number one, just shocked that Louis responded to my email because he was like my idol. Like I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Louis Simmons just responded to my email. I'm 21 years old in my college dorm room. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I have two options here. Number one, I could be very polite and very courteous and I could sit and I could give him a reason why I should come, or I could just go at it really hard. And if you don't know anything about Louis, he's tatted head to toe. He deadlifts over 700 pounds, over 70 years old. Like he's a badass motherfucker. So I went with the more gritty route and I said, I don't give a fuck what you or anyone else in your gym does. I'll outwork every single one of you. And uh, that's all I said. You literally wrote that. Yep. And then I got no response and I was like, fuck, fucked up. <laughs> and within the next week, I was walking out of the dining hall and I got a missed call from Ohio. And I was like, oh, who's this? And I listened to my voicemail, still have the voicemail on my phone to this day. It was like, Jordan, this is Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. I'd like to talk to you about coming to train here. And I was like, what the? F I freaked out. Number one, I checked my email. Apparently I had my... Uh, cell phone number and the signature of my email at the time, which is how he got my number. Um, so I got on the phone with him the next day. He invited me to come to Westside to try out to train at Westside. So my mom flew with me to Westside Barbell. And like my tiny, like five foot two Jewish mother came out with me. She was probably like the only like woman to ever like go there. And, and just for- Did she go into the gym with you? She went into the gym with me. Just for context, this is literally the strongest gym in the world. Like. They're, yeah. they're, the only way you get to Westside is if you're invited. They don't have a sign on the door. There's, their address isn't like public. Like the only way you get there is if you're invited and they'll tell you the address and you go there. It's in an industrial park in a garage. It's like you, the only way you go there is if you're invited. It's not like you, a key card gym where you swipe, you get your eucalyptus, whatever. It's like, no, it's like a very blood and shock style gym. We walk in the gym. The first thing we see is Louie walking towards us with blood pouring out of his nose all over his chest. He's shirtless. He had just been deadlifting over 600 pounds versus bands or 600 pounds. And he's like, you must be Jordan. And I was like, yep. And my mom was almost in tears. Like, remember, their weakest guy squats 800 pounds at the time. Their weakest wow. guy. So everyone is like almost 300 pounds or more. So we walk in there five foot four and below, like tiny little people. And Louie's like, how's it going? And I was like... <laughs> Hey, I was in shock. I was looking at the, the board with all the records and my mom was like, get me out of here. So she left. She went and sat in the car the rest of the workout. For that, those two days, Louis was like, all right, so go, uh, I want you to go do rack pulls. That was the first exercise he had me do. Five, I was like, you were gonna do rack pulls on like the three pin. I was like, how much weight should I use? How many sets and reps? He goes, go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. And I was like, all right. And then I was like, what's next? He's like, front squats. I was like, how much weight? How many sets and reps? He was like, go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. I was like, all right, what's next? Glute ham raises. Go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. Every exercise for two days straight. It was the hardest training I've ever done in my life. And at the end of those two days, he shook my hand. He said, I'll see you over the summer. So I went back to school for the rest of the year, came back. I trained at Westside for three months, increased my total by 300 pounds. Oh my God. Yeah, it was insane. Absolutely insane. And, uh, and then when I was at Westside, I, I remember my, my buddy and my mentor at the time, JC Dean, he was like, dude, are you training at Westside right now? Because I was posting some pictures on Facebook. And I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, you got to get a website. And I was like, website? I was like, I don't know how to get a website. He was like, hold on. 
An hour later, he emails me, sciatfitness.com, the information for that. He's like, this is now yours. He transferred it all to me. And he was like, go write. I was like, what in the hell do you want me to write? I was 21 years old. He was like, what do you want me to write? He's like, just help people. Write about what you're doing. Just help people. I was mm. in. That's what I did from two, July 2011. Literally right now, nine years ago, I was at Westside Barbell. From July 2011 until uh, 2015, I wrote at least one article a week, every single week, just with the goal of helping people. But when I first started, I didn't know you. There, an online business, I didn't know it existed. I didn't know PayPal.com existed. I didn't know online coaching was possible. It wasn't really a thing then. Mm. So I, was in my, I left Westside after that summer, went back to school, and I just kept writing, kept writing, kept writing. And people just reach out, hey, could you do my programs? Could you like, and I was like, yeah, I would do it for free. Until one day, a woman from Brazil wrote to me and she was like, I love your stuff. Like, do you do online coaching? I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, how much do you charge? And I was like, I've never got that question before. And I was like, I don't know, $300. And she was like, cool, how do I pay you? And I was like, I don't, I need to figure this out. So I found PayPal and I got a PayPal account and she paid me $300. And I must have spent six hours on her program because I was so nervous. I was like, I can't believe this woman just paid me $300 to write her program. Um, like, this is crazy. And uh, she was a client for a while. She was great. And, and that was my first online coaching client that I got when I was in college. And that's what I did for the rest of college. I just made content online on YouTube and on Instagram didn't exist yet, but on YouTube and on my website. And I just spent all of my free time writing and making content. And that was it. Um, with the goal of helping people. And it was very powerful thing focused. And then when I graduated college, my mom was like, she didn't know what I was doing. She had no idea. When I graduated college, my mom was like, all right, you need to get a job. I was like, I think I'm good. And she was like, what do you mean you think you're good? You have to remember, like, no one really thought a personal trainer was a job anyway in my family. Um, not to mention like, online personal training there I was, I was like i think i'm good she was like what do you mean you think you're good i was like i don't know people are paying me to write their training programs online and she was like how much how much are you making and i told her and she was like geez are you paying taxes and i was like i no. i was like i don't know how to pay taxes i had no idea so she and she's a lawyer so she was like all right we got to get this figured out but i started i did half i did like part-time coaching at a gym and also my online stuff for about uh six months and then I switched gyms, went to another gym, and was doing my online coaching. And then after uh, about six months at the new gym, I was like, I could just go fully online. So I went fully online, and I moved back to Israel. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, moved back to Israel. And I was just living in Israel, just doing online coaching, learning Hebrew. And then uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's team reached out to me, and they were like, Gary wants uh, to see if you would coach him. And I was like... First of all, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was a joke. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. So I, when I found out it was real, I flew from Tel Aviv to New York, coached Gary, flew back to Tel Aviv all within like a 36-hour window. My roommate in Israel didn't know I even left the country. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone what I was doing because I didn't want to jinx it. So I mm. flew from Tel Aviv to New York, coached Gary, flew back. And about a month and a half later, they reached out and they were like, all right, you got the job. Move to New York. So I moved from Tel Aviv to New York about four years ago. Started coaching Gary. I coached him seven days a week for three years straight, literally every wow. single day. Wherever he was, I was. If he was in Germany, I was in Germany. If he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in LA, I was in LA. If he was in Chattanooga, I was in Chattanooga. Wherever he was, I was. Seven, seven days a week, three years straight. Wow. And uh, during that time, I kept posting on social media, building my business, all that stuff. And, and now it's been about a year since I coached him. Still really good terms. We still text pretty frequently. And... Uh, and now I'm just doing my online stuff in New York. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break here. We will be right back. A system is a brand that you guys should know about. It is a wellness company that I learned about a few years ago. They have a number of different products that I use and they kind of market them as systems. So it's, it's a simpler way to apply, right? There's a skincare product that is a three-part system, a face wash, a daily moisturizer, and an overnight moisturizer. They also have uh, a supplement pack that they send out with that skincare system. It's a daily supplement. They launched something called Radical Relief recently, which is probably my favorite thing to use on a daily basis in regards to supplements and CBD. 
Uh, there is a roll-on CBD stick uh, that has this like cold metal ball that you roll it on with. It's got menthol in the CBD formula, so it's got this really nice sort of like icy hot feeling to it. It is truly unbelievable. I've used a lot of CBD over the years, and this product really stands out for me. I use it all day, every single day. The other piece of that system is a two-pill uh, daily supplement that is truly spectacular. They've come up with uh, a, a formula for anti-inflammatory purposes, and this is amazing. It also is paired with a full-spectrum CBD pill. Say goodbye to Advil. Say goodbye to ibuprofen. This stuff is amazing. Uh, check out a system for all their incredible products. If you go to a system.com, that's a S Y S T E M.com and put in promo code churnout 20. That's C H E R N O W the number 20 at checkout. You will get 20% off everything on the website. So check out a system. I use all of their products, their skincare, their radical relief and their supplements they are amazing. Highly, highly recommend it. I would not tell you guys something that I did not believe in and use on a daily basis. I mean, dude, I, I, the fact that your career really catapulted from you taking a bold response to an email <laughs> to, I mean, that's incredible. I love, I love that. I think that that, is, that, that makes such, uh, that, that's such a powerful message. Um, you just put a, a piece of content out there that I love to death about people breaking other people's chops for eating healthy and being like a healthier person. And that's like my life, you know, and, and it's gotten a lot better over the last probably three or four years. Uh, but when I, you know, I've been sort of on this path for the last 10, the last 14 years. And when I first started, I was eating like chicken and broccoli and that was it. Like, that's like all I knew. And everybody broke my chops and it made me feel so shitty, even to this day. So I know that there's a lot of people out there that get discouraged um, by family members, specifically girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, wives. Um, once they, they, they start to take the, the plunge into changing their lives for the better through nutrition specifically. Can you give a little advice on how to handle when somebody says, oh, come on, stop being a bitch? You know? <laughs> You know, it's, I think the first thing you have to understand is why they're doing it, right? So why are they doing that? Most people, mo the vast majority of people, when they say like, ah, come on, just have a slice of cake. Ah, come on, stop being a Debbie Downer. They're doing it because they feel bad about themselves. They're doing it because if they have a slice of cake and you don't, now they feel like a fat ass and they feel bad about it. So it will make them feel better to see you have it because that can justify them doing it. So you have to know that's where they're coming from. They're not doing it because like they have your best interest at heart. They're doing it to try and make themselves feel better about themselves. And when you know that, then you can take a little bit more solace in being able to say, listen, like if you want the cake, have the fucking cake. But if you don't want the cake, don't feel bad about sticking to your goals or sticking to what your plan is. Um, that's number one. And number two is this is harder to do with family. I have a separate thing for family, but if it's just like a buddy or you're out with friends or whatever, uh, for me, I've always found saying like, I'm, I'm just doing a challenge is a really good way to get people off your back. So if you just say, ah, oh, no, like this works with drinking really well with alcohol. Someone's like, ah, oh, come on, have a drink. Ah, oh, come on, stop being a puss, whatever it is. I'd be like, if you just say, no, I don't want to drink, oftentimes like, ah, come on. But if you say, oh, no, I'm actually doing this challenge where I'm not drinking for a month or for, like, for I did all 2019. I did a no alcohol challenge. I was like, I'm not going to drink all 2019. Uh, and when I tell people I'm doing a challenge where I'm not drinking, all of a sudden it's just like, oh, cool. Tell me about the challenge. Maybe I should do that. And it's like, it's very interesting. I don't know why that happens, but it works really well. Um, when it's your family, that's a different conversation. Uh, and that's something I had, I struggled with. I still struggle with, with my family. Like, my mom, my whole family, they're not health conscious. They're not into nutrition. So every time I go back, my mom will always like cook all these things and like eat more, eat more, da -da, eat more. Oh, come on. You're hurting my feelings. That'll be the worst. My mom was like, you're hurting my feelings because you're not eating my food. I was like, mom, I'll eat an appropriate portion of your food, but I'm not going to eat the entire icebox cake. Just, it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, and it, it's one of the things where you just have to okay 
you just have to get okay with setting boundaries and being okay. Like if someone's feelings are hurt because you're not eating their food, that's not your problem. Like just straight up, like if you go to your mom's house, your, your mother-in-law's house, your grandma's house, whatever, and they cook something for you, I would eat, eat some of it. Like don't be an asshole and not eat any of it, but you don't have to eat all of it. And you don't have to get seconds or thirds or fourths or fifths. And if you decide you don't want any, just be like, no, I'm good. Thank you. And if they're like, start busting your chops, just be like, I'm really good. And that's it. That has to be the end of it. I think that's great advice. I, you know, I deal with the, the family stuff as well, for sure. Uh, specifically when it comes down to uh, bodybuilding contest prep. I mean, it's brutal. Uh, my wife is not, not stoked. She's like, you're not ever going to be a professional bodybuilder. And I'm like, what do you mean? Of course I am. Uh, like the next one. Um, but yeah, so. I get it. I think that that's great advice. Um, lastly, I, I just want to talk about your happiness because I think that you are, from what I can see, and after this conversation, conversation, you, you, you seem like a, a, a genuinely happy person. Uh, can you give us a little bit of, of, um, a, of a light into what you do potentially on a, on a, on a regular, semi-regular basis that feeds your happiness fire? Yeah, sure. I, I, Thank you. And I'll talk about that. I do want to preface by saying I, like everybody, struggle with everything, with, with anxiety, with, with um, feelings of insecurity, jealousy, everything. I'm a human. Um, and the reason I start with that is because I see a lot of people on social media portraying themselves as like, always happy, always in a good mood, always optimistic. It's like, that's just not real life. So I do think I'm very lucky. I do think I'm very blessed. And I do think I'm, I'm probably happier than many, many people for many reasons. Um, but I also struggle just like everybody. I, I literally just had my first therapy appointment earlier today where I just spoke with a guy about my anxiety. And I think that's important to talk about because I think mental health is super important and I have to be open and honest about it. Um, mm. I've found that I am my happiest when I am doing things to help other people. That's just what I found in my, in my life. Now, one thing I've noticed recently, probably in the last year or so, is that when I've chased happiness, I've often come up short of happiness. Because usually by chasing happiness, oftentimes we'll do things that are um, done out of looking for uh, an impulsive pleasure, right? So a lot of times people are like, okay, well, I'll have this food or I'll do this because I, it'll make me happy in the moment. Five minutes later, an hour later, they feel awful about it. They feel really bad that they did it. So I found that I get happier when I chase the things that fulfill me. Now, the fulfilling things are generally the harder things. You were talking about like you have the hard, hard, easy things or the hard, hard things. It's like the things that are the hard, like helping people, going out of my way, posting on social media, making content, answering emails, answering DMs, doing all this stuff. Like it's hard. I love it, but it's hard. I love it because of the, the, what happens as a result of it. I love it because people tell me, hey, like you changed my life. I love it because I see people who are improving their marriages, improving their relationship with themselves, improving their relationship with their kids. I love it because of that. Not because necessarily I love, I, I love getting up early and making this content. Like I enjoy it, but I really like the result of it. So for me, I think I'm always happiest when I'm chasing the things that fulfill me and doing the things that I know on the other end of it I'll feel really good about as opposed to doing what's going to necessarily make me feel good right now. Because I think if you only face, try and do the things that make you feel good impulsively in this moment, you're probably going to go down a very dangerous path, a very slippery slope. Whereas if you do the harder things that you know will fulfill you, then you'll probably end up being more happy. Jordan Syed, do you believe you were born or made? I'm going to say, I think I was bade. I was born... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Bit of both. <laughs> um, I think you're probably right. And I think the message here is you found the talent that you were, you were inherently somehow, even though it doesn't exist necessarily in your immediate family, given. And you really, you really push play on it. And, and that's beautiful and, um, and inspirational. And uh, I cannot, cannot, cannot thank you enough for taking the time to, uh, to join me on the podcast, man. I will continue following your, your, your content because I think it's so much fun and so awesome. Where can people find you? 
Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's been a blast. Um, people can find my own podcast, the Jordan Syatt mini podcast or Instagram or YouTube. If you Google search my name, Jordan, S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find me. Awesome. Uh, you're, you're amazing. Uh, stay safe. Likewise, man. Thank you. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. You too, man. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jordan as much as I did. We really had a good time. We riffed so much. He answered some of the greatest questions that I've always had. Uh, and coming from a guy like him who's, who's coached thousands and thousands of people successfully, I am super pumped that I was able to get him on the podcast. He is truly an inspiration. And uh, I think if you're thinking about fitness or thinking about nutrition or thinking about getting a coach, he's definitely one of those guys that you should check out because his content is super easy to, to, to chew on and very, very consistent uh, and not in an annoying way. It's short tidbits that he writes on a pretty regular basis that truly help you uh, be a better person and also help you on your fitness and nutrition journey. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, I love you. I care about you. And I can't wait to the next one. That's it for this episode of Born or Made, ladies and gents. I hope our discussion inspired you to take action and chase your own success. Set goals and work towards them. I would be incredibly grateful if you shared our podcast with your friends. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified every time we drop a new episode. Help us out by leaving a positive review and a five-star rating. That would mean the absolute world to me. It really helps the podcast grow. And finally, I'd love to keep the conversation going with you. So you could follow us at Born or Made on Instagram. And you can also follow me at Michael Chernow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok. We really appreciate you tuning in and uh, can't wait to see you on the next one.